Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical, Andy Joseph. Okay, welcome to Mission Supercritical, exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary Individual success stories of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thanks for joining us. Today's guest, we've got John Meredith from Cure out of Michigan. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. And so to, uh, to help us all out here, what's Cure stand for? Cure is cannabis used for research and education. And that's will be our brand that we have here in Michigan once the licensing is fulfilled at the state level. Okay. All right. So cannabis used for research and education that gives you a little bit of a little bit of insight into you know what you guys are doing in the cannabis space, what maybe even some of your background is. But just to uh, just to get everybody on the same page and and you know help me out a little bit here, you got a, a pretty tremendous background in you know it's mostly it looks like sales and and, and sales avenues, but in you know, deep in the pharmaceutical industry, working directly with doctors and doctors' reps and, and a lot of that kind of stuff. Give me some insight into, into your background here. What did you do before cannabis? Yeah, so for the last 15 years, I've been in the pharmaceutical slash medical device industry, with the most recent being in the operating room with cranial facial implants to help doctors and surgeons during their operating procedures with rigid fixation and cranial facial advancements of pre-surgical techniques. <laughs> All right. So, so for the, the layman out there, this is like, uh, not necessarily plastic surgery to make your nose look better, but more for reconstructive or is it both? It's both. So what I did in the operating room was help surgeons come up with the solutions to help put the framework of the house back together finding all the correct screws and bolts and plates and helping them rebuild that either by doing trauma, by scheduled surgeries, or from just a deformity um, that led to it. So we helped in many different ways, but the best way to think about it in a a very simple way was we were hardware guys um, at Home Depot and we were helping surgeons find the correct tools very quickly to solve their problems of putting something back together. And so, so you're actually in the, the operating room right there, you know, gown on, the patient's, you know, open, and, and you know, I'm just picturing kind of, you know, the face is drawn back and the, the skull is, is visible, and you're saying, okay, we need a, you know, a B12 plate and a, you know, size 17 screw, and you got like a little toolbox Correct. in there next to you. Is, is that, I mean, is that what it's like? <laughs> uh, it's pretty much just like that. I do not or I was not in the industry ever scrubbed in. I was in a safe place away from the sterile field. But yes, I was very close to the surgeons and the patient, and we were there as the problem solvers when it came to the engineering problems they had and load problems with plates and screws and techniques to help put the structures back together. Nice, nice. And and so from a, you know, how much of this was on purpose? How much of this was, uh, you know, Michael Jackson plastic surgery kind of stuff going on here? Um, well, 
My job in the role is plastic surgery results mostly what we see on TV is soft tissue. I was a specialist in bony material. So uh, we've moved bone and most of our surgeries were 80% of it. As I built my career was elective from some kind of cancer, um, deformity as a child, or a redo from a trauma. The other 20% was trauma related due to some type of accident that the patient had and it was a very unfortunate time for them and their families at that point. So yeah. that gives you where we were uh, based on that. But it wasn't what we see on TV as the plastic surgeon of doing soft tissue manipulation. We were more of a bony anatomy guy moving the structure of the frames, not the drywall. Right. We were building so, the frame. So, so, you know, real, real opportunity to, to help improve people's, you know, quality of life. Uh, and, you know, I can imagine that people with, you know, deformities or trauma accidents that need this level of reconstruction, uh, they've got to be um, having some serious quality of life issues. And, and you guys are probably a godsend. I mean, you know, combined with the, 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 the surgeon helping everybody out, I can only imagine that uh, it's, it's very helpful. How'd you get into cannabis? So I have a close dear friend that I grew up with um, in my childhood that has a severe handicapped young lady as his child and she suffers from severe epilepsy. And I, being in the medical industry, we talk about a lot of different scientific things, and especially with surgeons. And good surgeons are always looking at breakthrough of new ways to go to the moon or how to. And it's always come up of, we wonder what it is. And this friend I was researching through some folks at Stanford and mentioned this to them, and this was about six years ago, and they took it upon themselves to look into it, and they've seen miraculous help with their daughter. So I recently near, to me, I have, a, I have four daughters, and my youngest daughter contracted a very rare, what they call cancer, non-cancer, in her spinal cord. And working with specialists out of, Cincinnati Children's Hospital and the oncologist there, this recently two years ago, it was brought up again about cannabinoids in medical practice with high revered medical professionals that studied their life on medicine. And it just all came together and I said, you know, I don't like the way medicine is moving. It's not moving fast enough for me and we're sort of stuck in one direction, I feel right now. And I saw this with the legislation that was passed back in June of 16 with Michigan and the framework from Governor Schneider of an opportunity for medical professionals to really be in control of the medical side here in Michigan and have an opportunity to help many, many patients that we don't know anything about yet this medicine. And the only way to do this is to forefront it and research it. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, you've got I would argue, you know, some of the best, for not being a doctor yourself, you've got some of the best access to, you know, many, many doctors and, and connections to other doctors through them. It's interesting that, you know, cannabis becomes a, you know, one of the recommendations from the, the doctor group, um, you know, to, to help your daughter and, and, and the condition there. Was there, was there kind of a, a propensity to go towards the, the more standard drugs and, and the things that are FDA approved rather than cannabis or was cannabis kind of like the immediate recommendation? Well, no, 
You're exactly right. First-line therapy is always what's been standard chemo or radiation by any oncologist out there, Andy. And this was just an option that we didn't choose with our daughter, but being in with medical professionals on a daily basis and maybe being considered a scientist myself, something struck in my head of families need to have options. And the more options a family and a patient is given, the more successful the surgeon or the doctor is as the caregiver, as we call it here in Michigan as of right now. So it is one of those things that needs to be brought up. And it wasn't by any means first-line therapy, but having it brought up was, to me, a revolution in steps in the right direction of giving those options to families and patients. Right, right. No, I, I get it. I get it. So, so you're you're you know you're sitting there talking to the doctors. How many conversations? You know, when you, when you're recommending you know screws and plates, how many times did you ever have conversations with doctors about cannabis and you know possible pain management, uh, or 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 you know, whatever other therapies might be available with cannabis on these these other patients? Well, um, when I was in the medical device industry, and I'm not there anymore. I've, I've left that industry. So when I was in the industry, I never wanted to jeopardize any type of conflict of interest. So I never really talked about it the way I do now that I'm independent. But with that being said, to say now those conversations came up of, wow, have you read what was going on? And it was this sort of silent elephant in the ear, in the room. Mm-hmm. Now it's not because of all the legislation that is especially upon surgeons and doctors as of June with opiates and post-op rating them. Many of these folks are just waiting for something to come about that gives them the ability to help not create an epidemic that we're in right now, and their hands are tied. So they, as educators, are very open to listen to things now the ones that are leading the pack as thought leaders. And, and they're always been the one that have pushed the envelope and everyone will follow in their industry, just like in any other industry. So we have a crucial time right now to educate surgeons and doctors about options. And if those options come out and we can study them more, which we'd like to do and, and follow them and good results comes out. Yes. You're, you're hitting it right on the head. It's a downward yeah. spiral. It's a snowball from the top yeah. of the, the mountain. So what, uh, just if you had to put it into numbers, being the engineer that I am, what, what percentage of doctors would you say today are, you know, open to the idea, you know, one out of 10, six out of 10, how many of them are open to the idea of using cannabis as a therapy, uh, at least, you know, to supplement or even replace, uh, you know, things like opiates or whatever else. Sure. I think you're no more than 20% right now that would openly talk about it. Now, I think that from my own, when I say I think this is my opinion, I believe that you have 80 to 85 of a percent of physicians that are very curious in it, but there's no standard of care for cannabis right now, meaning what do I start as a dosage? What do I titrate to? What is the correct molecule to use with this syndrome compared to that? What if they're allergic to taking it this? So, and they're not going to take the time to find out. But this is where the education part comes into them 
And it also makes it where as you study more, you can come up with something that's standard for them so that they can have rest assured that there's safety for their patient. Right, right. So, so doctors, you know, overwhelmingly are curious, but uh, they're not quite ready to take the leap yet. And I, uh, I have a feeling that's where, uh, where cure comes in. But let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how kind of cure is, is providing us a solution to these doctors that are interested and, uh, you know, what the path forward is. And then, you know, talk about some of the, the specifics about how you're doing, you know, utilizing the Apex equipment and what kind of uh, opportunities it's getting. So let's take a quick break here and we'll come back. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll regroup for more Mission Supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th to the 26th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio podcast leader for all things cannabis, cannabisradio.com. Be one of the first to register today at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Today's guest, John Meredith from Cure, Cannabis Use for Research and Education out of Michigan. So, John, we, we talked a little bit about your background and, and, and uh, you know, working with, you know, hand-in-hand with, with doctors and surgeons as, they're, as you're going through being a, a medical device. Would you call a consultant or sales rep? What, what would the specific title be? Our specific title was executive consultants. With that being said, it was a sales position also. Most of the job was focused on educating surgeons in the operating room on product needed to be used during that specific case. Right. So, you, you know, you've got several decades, maybe not several, but, you know, at least a couple of decades of experience making recommendations to, to doctors and surgeons on, on you know, possible solutions to the problem that you might have at hand, nice lead into to cure, you know, so now you aren't necessarily recommending a device so much as cannabis as potentially a tool to help them, you know, with improve overall patient satisfaction, patient quality of life, whatever it might be. What's, what's cures, you know, specific mechanism to, to help educate the doctors uh, on that kind of stuff. Are you doing actual research yourself or are you just making recommendations to them? 
Well, we're, we're leading into using and following patients of specific surgeons here in the state of Michigan that are utilizing the current laws for medical marijuana and getting their patient recommendation of cards through LARA, our state licensing department. And we are following those patients um, once they've obtained uh, product through which we're trying to help them find. And that's the big problem right now is finding something that can be used in the medical industry that's safe and that is accurate. So once we're doing that, yes, we do have some very unique patients that have gone through horrific cancers and other surgeries that are the top one, uh, I'll say they're a patient, one out of 100 million. And we're seeing things that we've never expected to see before, and they're not on any other medications right now. And the surgeons that we're working with are world-renowned, and they're amazed by what they're seeing. So we want more studies. We want more to look at because you can't just look at one, but if you can, we, we have things that we can't explain, and all we can do is point it towards the connect cannabinoids that the patient is using right so okay so you guys so you're you're, you're using essentially extracts right and yep. uh particularly using co2 uh, I'm, I'm i'm gonna put words in your mouth here stop me if i'm wrong but utilizing co2 because of the fact that it's it's clean right there's there's no residual solvents there's no toxins there's no heavy metals uh and you know you can take the oil uh right out of the machine and, you know, have very little or maybe even no post-processing to have essentially a pure cannabinoid extract that looks as much like the original plant material as possible. And utilizing that with this, you know, one in a, one in a hundred million patients, seeing some pretty phenomenal results. Did I hear you right? You said that, that you got, you know, patients like this that are using nothing other than cannabinoids at this point? You're 100% right. And to even add more of it, Andy, is that we chose... CO2, when we started looking at it from our background in medicine and knowing that it is clean, there is a part of our group is a, a PharmD, a pharmacist who is a doctor, who has a doctorate. And these are things that they're accustomed to in medicine already, not petroleum-based products, especially ingesting. And if a patient's ingesting anything with petroleum, that's a concern. So we looked at it as being, yes, very clean and giving us a, a clean product that doesn't need to be refined because of applications of having mechanism of action or meaning that we want patients to ingest it. And we want it to be solvent-free, 100%. That way patients are getting a clean medication. And another thing that helps us as scientists formulating this is getting something to 100% as close to 100% of molecular structure as possible to help us formulate the dosages that we're giving so that they're very accurate within percentage points of each other. Right. So almost, you know, kind of the, the, the typical pharmaceutical approach of single compounding to get, you know, 100% THC or 100% CBD or, or, or that kind of thing and rebuilding, yep. uh, you know, specific formulations up. Very, very typical pharmaceutical uh, pharmaceutical approach, and, and it sounds like it's working. I mean, it sounds like you, you've got some, some real success stories we're, here. We're utilizing the Apex. Um, we started with a 2000 series only because we wanted to grow into it, um, which we're growing very nicely in. Since December, we've got the machine. We've got over 600 hours on it, and we love it. And there's another thing that we love as far as the standpoint in the state of Michigan 
for frameworking as processing, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but it does allow us much more benefits as building out an industrial facility for the licensing framework using CO2 compared to the folks that are going for processing licenses that are using butane. Right, because of the, I'm guessing, and, and, and like you said, we'll, we'll talk about this here in a little uh, little bit after the next break. I want to get into the kind of the Michigan scenario, but, um, you know, just to, to go where you're, to follow up where you're going with that one, butane is explosive, right? So the flammability is causing, it, you know, additional expenses in uh, facility build out. And I would imagine it's causing a lot of heartache for regulators because, you know, they, they just don't like it. It's a big risk. Nobody wants to blow up. Right. Yeah. And that's why, so we... We don't know which one is better or not, but what we do know for us, the CO2 in the apex was the best for us, what we're looking to do in medicine. Right. And so uh, tell me, you know, give me one of your success stories here. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I don't think any of these, uh, any of these stories are, are fun or, or, you know, soft on the heart. Um, but nonetheless, you know, the fact that you're able to, to you know, help somebody with, with such a, a rare condition. Sure. Give me a little bit of details about one of your success stories here. Sure. We have a patient that we're working with that was diagnosed six years ago with a very rare cancer. And after trying multiple scenarios and standard of care, he was put into the hospital with an infection to this area where the lesion was. And by accident, they punctured the lesion and the lesion grew within three weeks, large enough that they amputated half of his face down to the bone. And the surgeons that did it didn't have the technical skills to do what they needed to do, so they started throwing away body parts because they were taking body parts from other portions of this man's body, and they were mismeasured because margins weren't clean and they had to resect more. So long story short, they discharged this man after having half his body thrown away, meaning ribs, arms, legs, because of where they take flaps, not the whole thing. And then half his face was exposed, including his brain. Um, The gentleman found our partner in this, who is a world-renowned surgeon, and has come remarkable ways, which needs pretty much a face transplant. But the remarkable thing that we did with cannabis since August was this gentleman, Tim, was and is on a feeding tube. So he was ingesting multiple doses of liquid oxy per day, not because of the pain, because of addiction. And we were able to discontinue the oxy within two weeks with no withdrawals of a opiate based patient and continue to use cannabinoids for health. And Tim is now since middle of September opiate free. That is absolutely incredible, and and you know just for uh, for reference point, how much cannabinoid, how much THC, how much THCA, you know a little bit a little bit more technical here. What are you giving them that uh, that's working so well for the withdrawal of the opioids? So we as scientists are happy because we don't know how you can when we talk about an overdose in medicine and science, we talk about how you an overdose is killing someone. So we don't know how we can overdose someone yet with cannabinoids. We haven't seen it to physically shut the brain down. So we have an open base by the patient. Um, This patient, Tim, was on a a five-time-a-day, 25-milligram-of-combo THCA 
and THC, 12.5 of each. And okay. that's what we used to discontinue it for him. And that was something that he started with three doses, and as he weaned off of the opiate-based drug, he increased it more. And, hey, there was no, no foul there. We didn't mind. Hey, increase it. We weren't right. seeing anything that was doing the effects of the opiate, and it um, was actually a pleasure to know that you could increase or titrate the medicine without worrying about having a severe consequence or response by the patient. Right. Now, what, was Tim a cannabis, uh, cannabis. <laughs> was Tim a cannabis user prior to uh, the surgeries or any, any of that stuff that he used cannabis prior, in a previous time in his life? He didn't use it prior to the surgeries. He had used it after in an inhalation, which wasn't conducive for Tim because of um, the severe things to his face and, and things that had happened. But once we got on an ingestible and we could start seeing an accurate, safe dose, it was much more apparent of how much more effective it was, Andy, than something of inhalation, which in science, even though that we see extraction, we use it for certain uh, stress and anxiety inhalation, we still are still struggling because we don't know exactly how much of the molecule is coming in. So that's why we're so excited about ways that we can be very precise of what each patient's getting. And this gives us a way also with the CO2 extraction to make many different medicines, just like in the old days where a pharmacist could make it to wait in the condition of the patient by what the doctor ordered. So right. this gives us a whole new avenue too. Yeah, it's absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. I mean, it's a, it's a heartbreaking story, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's it's doing some phenomenal stuff for Tim. So, uh, you know, um, obviously, you know, best wishes to Tim here. Uh, let's take another quick quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about what it's like doing what you're doing, right, which is truly affecting patients' lives in Michigan and some of the challenges and and, uh, and, and advances. You know, Michigan's got some good stuff going. Uh, it's, not all, it's not all a giant mess, but there are some challenges, I'm sure. So when we come back, let's talk about that. We'll regroup for more Mission Supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah? Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
Do you have new ideas that you believe will make a difference in the cannabis industry? Looking to make your brand or service stand out? The first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is seeking sponsors and speakers for its inaugural event August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners are all welcome to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Grow with us in this groundbreaking event, the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Learn more at usccexpo.com. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Uh, again, our guest today, John Meredith, just talking about a, a gut-riching story for, uh, for our friend Tim. Um, who's, who's had you know several it sounds like uh, operations on his on his face and facial areas? Um, just it's gut wrenching. It's hard to even talk about it without uh, just kind of cringing. So, but cannabis has, has really really helped him you know go get over opioid addiction, and, and uh, I think it shows a tremendous amount of promise for you know the future. And, and you know obviously the United States is in the midst of an opioid crisis, and you know the the federal government's response is just stop giving people opioids. Right? Stop, you know, telling the doctors to stop issuing them, stop, stop writing prescriptions for them, stop handing them out, telling pharmaceutical companies stop making them, stop, giving, you know, just stop doing it. That'll fix the problem. And that, unfortunately, you know, I don't think does fix the problem. But you know, you guys are doing something here to help people get off it without any kind of uh, withdrawal symptoms and stuff like that. That's fantastic. But you're doing it in Michigan, and you know, I guess the first question to ask is why Michigan, and the next question then is what are some of the challenges you have. Well, Michigan, first of all, is my home base. I was born and raised in Michigan, so for me, it just sort of stumbled into it. And Michigan is, since the signing of the new framework licensing under the Medical Marijuana Act back in June of 2016 by Governor Schneider, it really does, for us in the medical industry, make sense of how we can get something to patients that can be safe. Because it's tracked, there is now going to be a seed to sale, and yes, no one really knows how it's going to work, and every day is something new, but that's what we're excited about is seeing that we hopefully can set a standard of care for the country, and there's other states out there that are doing magnificent work, too, in medicine, but we need to be all together, and we need some kind of standard protocol that's across the country now in medicine, and we need to separate it from recreation. We're a company that definitely believes in recreation, but our focus is on medical, and we want companies to be that way too. Let's focus on medical and let's focus on the other side, but we have something here in Michigan that on both sides, we're very excited about the ballot in November with REC being on the ballot for our voters and being a a state that hopefully will work from a licensing standpoint with the medical professionals and the other professionals in industry to make something that can be the protocol for everyone or at least work very easily with everyone to make this accessible and make it an option for people because that's all it is. It's just giving options to people. Right. And Michigan's had a, you know, for a little bit of history lesson here, Michigan's had a medical program for geez, 10, maybe even 15 years, 
Um, and, you know, as some, you know, one of the largest patient counts in the whole country, 200 and some odd thousand, if I, if I remember right, um, is, that, is that getting better or is it getting worse with the new licensing structure? Well, our licensing structure is set up in, in 2008. It was set up for physicians with a medical license, MD or a DO, with good standings in the state of Michigan, could make a recommendation for a patient to have a medical marijuana card. And it's even funny that doctors don't even know that they have the right to do that. They think that you need a special license to do that in the state. So there's so much education, but you're correct. The card holders are 240,000. Michigan is a much larger state, just like other states that have a large population that are patients out there. So when we look at patients in states, we have to look at the whole population of the state. And the gateway for this is physicians and doctors. Without them getting on board and helping patients and feeling comfortable giving an option to a patient that isn't the norm and as of right now is a scheduled one, they're going to want to make sure that they're doing the right thing and they should be doing the right thing. So with that being said, Michigan has a obligation with everything, working with physicians, working with the licensing group and with our normal and our, our law to get this right. And I'm really hoping that everyone works together and sees the end point of the road of how we can all do this and do it civilly and do it to where everyone takes notice so it can help out more because the whole thing here is giving back. It's not taking, it's giving the patients that you can change their family's life because that's what these physical things are, Andy. It's the years of mental anguish that these folks go through when the loved one is gone or something happens. So hopefully we can do it quickly because we're at an epidemic. Forget about opiates. People are struggling with someone, loved one, that has sudden illnesses every day. And this could be the answer to a lot of it. We don't know. It could be. Right, right. Well, now, so, you know, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, there's a there's a ballot initiative for making Michigan recreational. Um, but, and, you know, there aren't a lot of states that have done it, but in the states that have, it's really been a, a, a huge damper on the medical program. Uh, you know, some of them, some states like Oregon, for instance, just shutting it all down, down, down completely, or at least trying to shut it down completely. Um, and saying, well, it's all recreational, so we don't need a medical program anymore. And, you know, that was a huge mistake. What's Michigan doing to, to prevent that from happening again? Well, I don't know yet. I can tell you that the medical laws right now written for the five frameworks that were introduced back of last year, December 15th, that could be applied for are geared toward medical. We're not at rec yet, so... That's why I keep saying that we have an obligation and we have something big to get it right if this goes through, which the state and the voters, it looks like the wreck is going to go through. We can be revolutionary here and, and do something that hasn't been done yet. You're absolutely right, Andy. I hope it gets done right. How does that happen? Just as I started the conversation, you allow medical to be medical and you allow wreck to be wreck. Right, and, and demonstrating that there is a difference, right? I mean, there's, you know, you, you've said it three or four times here throughout our, our show. You know, the fact that you've, you know, you've got great evidence, right? Is it, is it scientific? Is it statistically significant? Well, maybe not yet, right? but it's going to take some time to get there and, and you know, the, the framework right. to allow that to happen. But in the meantime, you know, we've got some fantastic stories like our, our friend Tim here 
you know, where cannabis right. has significantly helped them. And we need to educate people and tell the stories, get it out there. You know, I think that's that's probably, I'm, I'm surprised Oregon went the way they did. But I think what got it back on track, or at least as much back on track as they could, was doing this, you know, exactly conversations like this, showing that there are people whose lives are, are improved by cannabis. And, you know, they're not just trying to get high. It's not just a recreational play. So, you know, I, I congratulate you on your on the job you're doing here. Um, give me a little bit, give me a little bit of sense, maybe like a couple more minutes here, but give me a, a little bit of sense for, you know, the size of Cure. How many patients are you currently working with? And, you know, if somebody wanted to get involved with Cure, how would they go about doing it? Well, we're a very small base right now and select doctor research patients. But we're very excited about what's going on. We're at the point where we have facilities that are going through the license process right now in the state of Michigan. And there are many things that we're trying to refine on that. And it will be in the near months that we can do hopefully things with many patients. With that being said, uh, anyone, if I can give out my email, can email myself personally at jmeredith, M-E-R-I-D-E-T-H, at cheermish, M-I-C-H, dot com. And we're more than happy to consult, answer questions. We are a research scientific company, so we want to help patients, and we want to help them get to the right sources, even if it's not with our brand or our medication. Right. And, and are you guys currently putting any products into dispensaries or is it only for, you know, through very specific doctor-patient relationships? No, our, our brands and our, our products will not be in any dispensaries right now because we're trying to control everything from a doctor base and from them having that ability to see their patients rather than going into current Michigan dispensaries that we just don't know of that have the expertise yet and training to deal with patients as of Tim. And once we find that, we're, we're more than happy to do that and, and find where our product can fit in. We really believe that we'll come once the licensing is up and running. And we have things that, like pharmaceutical companies, will help train those retailers so that they can address a patient that walks in with a medical condition and help them without having a pharmacist there or a doctor. Right. Okay. All right. That's cool. That's a, uh, so that's, that's interesting model. Um, you know, might from the business standpoint might be a little, little challenging. You're running into issues, um, you know, making sure that the, the business stays operational. Well, we're fortunate that we have all been in and very successful at what we did. So, Right now, we are utilizing a lot of our own funds to do our research. So that is a challenging part, but it's also some of the coolest things to be able to play every day and not worry about screwing up or having a break-even number that you're trying to get. As we move forward with the, the licensing, yes, it will be a very challenging model, but we all come and we have a very good team of professionals in all walks of different corporate levels that will be a part of this from doctors, IT, attorneys, CPAs, salesmen, uh, plant managers to help us facilitate what we're looking to do. And uh, we know there's going to be a lot of growing pains. We've all experienced it in our, our former and our current stuff that our partners are in, but that's what makes it exciting for us too, Andy. Right. Well, and you guys are doing some tremendous work. I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
you know, I commend you guys on, on what you're doing. Um, you know, you're basically a, a not-for-profit. Are you guys set up as a, as a not-for-profit or a charitable organization, or is that something that you can do in Michigan with the uh, current laws? Um, well, we are not going to go that route. We want to be part of the economical growth of this, but we've all been trained very much to get back and do mission work, and they'll be part of our other brand of cure that will be focused on mission work and giving back. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. So using the, uh, using the opportunity to, to make some money to actually, you know, fund the operation that's really making a, a significant difference on people's lives. So that's a, uh, that's great. I really commend you on that. Um, appreciate you again. Just one more time, John, your, uh, your email, J Meredith at cure mish, C U R E M I C H dot com. And, uh, you know, John, I got, I got to ask you, you know, you've been in Michigan, are you a, you a Michigan fan or are you a Buckeye fan? I can't answer any of that. I, I, I don't, I, I didn't go there. I went to fair state. So I'll just say I'm oh. a bulldog. Fan. How's that? <laughs> good enough. Good enough. John, thanks for being on the show. Right. I really, yeah, right. Exactly. I really appreciate you taking a, uh, taking a few minutes to, uh, to be on the show here. Um, thanks for the time today. I appreciate it. And for everyone else, look for our Michigan, <laughs> Michigan, I just said it. Look for our other mission supercritical shows to learn more about Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry, like John. Hope you can join us. And until then, happy extracting. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.